Welcome to our Cosmic Tasks. Today I'm going to have a dialogue with my best friend Evelyn Barber talking about conscious discipline, science, music, and creativity. So this episode features my best friend Evelyn. We are currently on a road trip and decided to record a podcast on our relationship to just our friendship in general, really, but also to uh, our relationship to conscious discipline and our love of learning, art, music, our creativity, and I wanted to talk to Evelyn about her cosmic task and also explore gift giving and home organizing since I just went to her apartment and we together combined a total of 25 and a half hours of home organizing so we'll go into the that territory a little bit but we have been friends for 17 years now and we can't believe it we originally were neighbors when she was 12 and I was 14 we started our journey together. Yeah, so I moved to South Carolina from South Florida when I was 12 years old, and Euphoria's family welcomed my family with open arms and kind of showed us around town, invited us over for all of the birthday parties, took us downtown to art shows, and I basically kind of, like, learned, like, how to interact with people really because of Euphoria's family. Um, we, Euphoria graduated high school <clears throat> when I was in 10th grade. So while she was in college, I had two more years of high school. But then when I started looking for colleges, I found out that Euphoria was going to the College of Charleston and I started looking to go into that myself. And when I got accepted, it was such a huge, exciting part of my life. Um, just because I was going to be back in the same town or city as Euphoria. And while my freshman year, I lived in the dorm, I definitely frequented over to Euphoria's house and kind of explored my freshman year life outside of high school with Euphoria. And honestly, our, like hiccups and adventures weren't that different from what we had when we were younger. Um, over time, we uh, moved in. We were roommates for, I think, three years. And then I had to finish up school. Euphoria graduated college. I moved um, uh, away from Euphoria uh, just to finish up my schooling. And then once I graduated college, uh, we kind of got into the same field of work. Um, working with children. So we reconnected over that as well. Not to say that we ever lost connection um, because we had crazy adventures all the time still. But um, yeah, it was really awesome to be able to grow not only like as a child, but grow as an adult with Euphoria. Yes, it's been awesome. Okay, so on top of being neighbors and then going to the same college and then being roommates, we also work together. <laughs> we were always together. <laughs> always together. We were after school counselors and but we were different schools. Yes. But we did carpool. Together. We did carpool sometimes, yes. 
Um, so let me think. <clears throat> Things I love about our friendship. One, our hobbies, our creative spirits. We, I mean, everything from tie-dyeing and... Painting parties. And pumpkin carving and... Let's think. I don't, I don't know. We've so done much. so much. I can't even making name candles. Making candles a lot. Um, you do a lot of crocheting. Yes. I can't do that. It's okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, like rollerblading. Oh, yeah. Ice skating. <clears throat> what else? Um, huge one. Attending shows. All the concerts. We, I think we've been over, we've been to over a thousand shows together. Absolutely. <clears throat> and to quote, um, almost famous band-aids. So. Yeah. We are, oh, another thing I really, really love is we are so, we are such good networkers. We have been networking. I don't know when this began, our networking. I guess when we first met like we were networking in in small ways yeah like you would come to my football games at my high school and I would go to the basketball games at your high school Mm -hmm. and that just kind of started it Mm -hmm. and I would say we're both very observant and extremely resourceful which also flows back into our creativity um so back in Charleston I was an after-school counselor and then you became out after-school counselor I ended up leaving the public school position because I wanted to be a director. Yep. But then I that couldn't work. That didn't work out. So then I became an assistant Montessori guide, and then you stayed. How much longer and did you stay? I stayed, I think, for another year and a half, two years, because I moved up from a counselor position to a assistant coordinator position. And how long did you do that? For like a year and a half, two years? Yeah. And you loved it, right? I did. I absolutely loved it. The only reason I left was because considering the time of the job itself, I I couldn't finish some of my classes because they were um, limited to like the afternoons and I couldn't take those classes and I kept pushing them off, pushing them off. And I had to do like a victory lap for my senior year just so that I could take my final classes. And, and what I, was your I, major? I, uh, geology. <clears throat> so you were geology. I was sociology. We were both in education but had no plans to get an education degree or really continue as being like a public school teacher. But then I moved into Montessori mm-hmm. and w- uh, did that for three years and before I got trained. And then uh, once I graduated, I actually did some uh, non-traditional education. So I did um, like field trips at the local museum. Um, I also started uh, working at the uh, Children's Museum of the Low Country as a front desk um, uh, assistant. Uh, we called them visitors service assistants, associates, excuse me, visitor service associates. And, um, I kind of juggled like five different jobs between like nannying, working at the USS Yorktown, doing field trips, <coughs> the museum, um, babysitting every now and again. And we also um, shared families that we babysat and nannied for. Absolutely. Absolutely. If I, I had to do it, I would 
send them over to you. And we were like workaholics. <laughs> yes. We would go to college during the morning. And then in the afternoon, we, we would, would work. work our then, after school program. And, and then, then at night, we'd go to a concert. Well, first we would babysit. And then we would go to a concert. This is also true. And then we would start all over again. And I, at one point, I was working part-time, going to school full-time, and I was babysitting 40 for 40-plus 40 families. Yep. It was wild. And if I couldn't do it, you could. And then we also had a network of babysitters. We did. We had, like, a little circle. Yeah, like, if we couldn't do it, if we wanted to go to a show or whatever, we would just see if someone else could do it. Or if we needed some money, we would, like, hit someone up and be like, anyone have any jobs? So we were already, like, networking that's little entrepreneurs in college and we we kind of went different ways when you went to the museum and I worked in the Montessori school we were in we were doing our different things but they also like were very similar yeah yeah so our love of learning carried us through many different areas but we always came back with really good introspective conversations about our experiences with children with families in the community and what we like about it yeah so I kind of wanted to talk about the Children's Museum of the Low Country um, it's a play-based uh, learning space uh, for children um, children of all ages up until the age of 18 you're considered a child at the Children's Museum of the Low Country um, but I had a focus as a education specialist. Um, they offered me another job after I was there for a little while. Um, and as a education specialist, I was able to go to Title I schools um, in Charleston County um, and go to their child development classes and basically have a 30 to 45 minute lesson with the uh, children in the CD classes regarding um, science, but like pretty basic science uh, vocabulary. Um, we did color mixing. We talked about what a hypothesis is. And we basically tried to give the children um, an experience that they might not necessarily have at home or within their school itself um, to help instill the love of science and learning. And um, it was absolutely incredible. Um, it was so much fun, made a lot of connections. And um, in order to prepare for these classes, um, when I first started, we actually had a conscious discipline training. And I was introduced to conscious discipline by Jessica Flowers. She came in and did our training. And while I was learning about conscious discipline, I could not stop thinking about Euphoria and how much she would love it. And also too, at that time in my life, I was going through some um, emotional healing and conscious discipline actually helped me heal myself in that point in time. And though today I still practice conscious discipline in my own sense and when I communicate with children around me while I don't currently work with children um, I always find myself wanting to come back to conscious discipline like I can find myself like dropping down in my 
emotional like range and I always think I need to revisit the seven powers of conscious discipline I need to focus on my power of perception I need to reunite with my power of unity in my workplace and it's it's always it's definitely something that has changed my mindset of how I perceive and interact with the world around me. I love that so much. That was so beautifully said. Thanks, Tori. <clears throat> that was wonderful. Oh, and I forgot to mention this, but in the CD classes, not only did we do a lot of STEAM, science, technology, engineering, arts, mathematics, but we did have a big part in conscious discipline. Um, or in conscious discipline was incorporated in daily in our um, our lessons. We would always have a very playful intera- interaction introduction with the children. You know, we would have like a unity circle and sit down, kind of talk about uh, what we would be doing for our lesson, and we would have a uh, a breathing moment just to kind of ground all of the children and it would be very playful we would make eye contact and we would do different breathing exercises um, to help soothe the children and prepare them for the lesson um, ahead and then while we were doing the lesson uh, we would always make sure to focus on the child's perception of their own work We would never give a personal opinion regarding their work. Like, that was so great. We would, you know, talk talk to them in a sense that we would um, let them make their own judgment on their work um, to instill Mm -hmm. that pride themselves. And we would ask them questions about their work and we would, you know, notice how hard they were working on different projects and how how we would guide them to use the different tools and if they decided to do it a different way as long as they were staying safe that was okay with us Um, we weren't very concerned with the end product of any of the lessons we were more concerned with the process and um it was just it, it was it was so much fun. I, I really do miss it a lot. Um, the just making connections with all the kids and and by connecting with the children using conscious discipline, we would also hopefully be teaching their teachers or their assi- teachers' assistants as to how they can communicate. To, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And. One of my favorite uh, little stories is um, anytime a child would come to me and say, so and so, Sally, Sally took my crayons and broke them, or Henry pushed me, I would, I would look at the child and I would, in a very calm voice, I would say, did you like that? And they they always seemed pretty startled that I would say that <laughs> instead of jumping over to mm-hmm. Henry and saying, don't do that. That's, <laughs> that's bad. The, the child in question would be like, no, I didn't like it. And 
very calmly, I would say, well, we can handle this. Let's, let's talk to Henry. And then we would sit down with the other child and I would say, you tell Henry, I do not like it when you push me, keep your hands to yourself. And the child would, would or would not do it. And, uh, over time, the teachers started incorporating that into their classroom themselves. Mm-hmm. And I was working with another child and um, a teacher had a very similar interaction with another student. And um, that that just made my heart so happy because the teacher was teaching the child to use their big voice. And I, I was I was excited. I was like, wow, like that was awesome. Mm-hmm. That was so cool. And, um, and then over time, the children started doing it on their own. And it was just, it was great. <laughs> yes. And I would see the same things happen in my classroom. And so you and I would just like geek out over all of these synchronicities or like all of our hard work paying off and like seeing it ripple into our small communities. And it was just so incredible like we got hooked on conscious discipline and we just we we got so obsessed with it I mean we took it home and I'd come to your house and I'd be like this is this is what happened today this Mm -hmm. is this I'm like this is what I've learned I've been watching videos and I've been talking to Jessica Flowers and this is you know like we would both talk about our uh our relationship with Jessica and like what we'd learned from her and also like what we were implementing in our environments and how it was reflecting back to us and so that was an amazing time in our lives and that was how long ago now that that wasn't that long ago um that was maybe uh, that was like I seven was, years ago I was, though. oh my gosh it was that was, it was seven it was six years ago so i was 23 okay so six years ago yes i was 23 that's kind of a long time but It doesn't seem like a long time. It doesn't seem like that long ago. But, yeah, definitely started – we learned about conscious discipline, really started implementing it in our own personal lives as well as our work lives um, six years ago. Yeah, so conscious discipline actually helps me out a lot in my workplace now. While I no longer work at the Children's Museum, um, I work at a coastal research company in uh, Moorhead City, North Carolina, at Geodynamics. Woo woo! Um, <laughs> but um, even though I'm not directly working with children all the time, I have done a few virtual tours and virtual field trips um, with work. But um, even so, working with adults, um, I'm able to apply conscious discipline uh, with my coworkers. Uh, for example, like we have a shop, and if the shop gets really cluttered, um, it's just it, it's really crazy. It's overwhelming, and no one can ever find the gear that they need. So sometimes we'll have like shop days, or even if we're unloading some of our equipment or reloading our equipment, um, I always step outside of what I'm doing and I will approach one of my coworkers and say, you know, Hey, this, I saw that you put this cord back in its place. That was super helpful because when I went to find it, it was exactly where it was supposed to be. 
or mm-hmm. if I see someone uh, do do something really safe in in the workplace, I'll I'll make a note on that and I'll say, hey, like I saw how you were wearing your steel-toed shoes and your gloves and your safety goggles while you were working with heavy equipment. That's really safe and that's great. That's really helpful. And um, I, I, try, I try to do that um, as often as I can or if someone just goes above and beyond or helps me out with some computer things or something that I'm not fully comfortable with, you know, I always thank them for their patience as well, um, working with me, but I always take a moment to reach out to them. Um, and I've noticed, uh, it, I always get great responses with that and it happens more often than not now Mm -hmm. as I've (laughs) <laughs> implemented mm-hmm. conscious discipline for the last two years. And what you focus on, you get more of. Mm-hmm. And you're noticing. And yeah. you're acknowledging. Um, what about when you have conflicts? Do you ever, kind of like the time machine, I don't like it when you please blank? Have you had anything like that happen? Um, not directly. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say there was a interaction that I had recently where... Um, there was a there was a conflict mm-hmm. but it wasn't dismissed mm-hmm. and I was actually surprised because I didn't um, myself mm-hmm. pursue that like discussing that conflict I was honestly just gonna let it like kind of not fizzle out but like come down before discussing it but then the other party involved brought it up and we had a genuine conversation about it and we were able to kind of hear each other out and discuss where our mind was at regarding this conflict and um, it actually it, it made our relationship stronger mm-hmm. because we were actually able to discuss it and after after the fact too I talked to him about or I talked to them about um, like conflict resolution regarding you know just in the future in in the future like Mm -hmm. speaking up about that kind of stuff and how I was going to work harder on doing that as well Mm -hmm. whatever your commitment was right exactly and also like your composure like what what do you take away with you in the workplace with composure as far as like Q-tip and um I definitely think that there's (laughs) there's too much going on all the time to not have composure Mm -hmm. um just because as soon as you flip your lid Mm -hmm. everything kind of just tumbles down and falls and it explodes Mm -hmm. so um having a calm composure I think is actually a really big characteristic that a lot of people that I work with hold Mm -hmm. Um, just because we do have situations where safety could come into play or Mm -hmm. equipment fails or something of the sort 
and everyone handles it. You mm-hmm. know, it's like, okay, this is a, this is a hiccup. Whoops. You know, let's Oops, try Oops, I made a mistake. <laughs> like, yeah, let's, yeah. let's move forward. Let's fix this. What can we do to prevent this in the future? Very solution oriented. And that's what conscious discipline is. It's very solution focused versus blame, punish, yada 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 so I wanted to tell them that you have a really cool job and you get to travel a lot and you are on vessels on research vessels a good bit of the year um yes so this past year uh 2022 was my first year that I was very active upon the research vessels uh prior to I was working in the office and doing some data management and quality control and things of that sort and um, this year with working on the vessels I not only have like my, my love for my job has just grown but also I have made connections with people outside of my workplace with contractors or um, well really just contractors <laughs> and they I remember back in April, um, some of the contractors that I was working with, uh, they expressed that they have never been on a job where the people that they worked with actually wanted to interact with each other. Um, and they were really grateful for my company because we all just, we wanted to be united Mm -hmm. frequently, Mm -hmm. not all the time, Mm -hmm. but frequently we would have like gatherings where we would cook dinner mm-hmm. together and we It's would... like a work family, not it... a school family, but a work family. Absolutely. It, it really <laughs> without is. enmeshment, without the boundaries being crossed. Right. Like no. the boundaries are definitely it seems respected uh, with your coworkers. For sure. I absolutely agree. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, we would encourage people to come with have dinner with us, but it was never required. We mm-hmm. would never twist their arm, but we would invite them and it was, it was just a really great experience to, and it always is to meet so many people and go to so many different neat places, Mm -hmm. um, to work on the water, around the water, be in um, nature so much. Exactly. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just, I love it. And you've gained so much confidence doing this. I really have. I really have. I've, um, stepped up a lot I feel a lot better about my abilities and even facing the fear if I don't exactly know how to do something in the moment I know that the people around me are going to be patient with me Mm -hmm. and they have the faith that I am able to pick up the skills needed to complete a certain task Mm -hmm. and it's been really wonderful it really has so would you say this is your passion or what a part of your passion like definitely a part of my passion okay um it's a huge part of my passion yeah because you have a lot of passions I I do I do and and working with children is one of them yeah that's a huge Um, passion and it in the long run I do know that I would like to combine mm-hmm. um, integrate yes exactly <laughs> integrate coastal geology and education even if it's non-traditional mm-hmm. uh, long-term goal I would love to have a coastal a traveling either coastal or 
general geology exhibit. Um, yeah. So kids um, at then we have bands age. play like teaching music, uh, teaching science concepts and conscious discipline, like things like there's a live band at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> or yeah. go to all the music festivals <laughs> with your traveling coastal. Right. educational yeah, with a water table and we talk about uh, <laughs> yes. how rivers are formed like and we also build r- relationships attachment and like connection <laughs> yeah but I, I would love to have something like that um that's either a traveling exhibit or it mm-hmm. could be stationary that's perfectly fine too but I think that it's really important for children yes to learn about earth science absolutely because and to be I, connected to it ex- exactly i i do feel like i at, before college the most geology i really learned was the rock cycle mm-hmm. and moon phases mm-hmm. and then once i yes. took it took geology in college i was like wow this is absolutely incredible like volcanoes are cool like I've seen a <laughs> volcano before but mm-hmm. what is it made out of like mm-hmm. how is it formed and that like stuff like that not specifically just volcanoes got yeah. into geology but but <laughs> I and I don't know enough about it so whenever I'm teaching my students I'm like oh I just wish Evelyn was here because she knows so much yeah. and like you have such an amazing way of presenting it that's so animated yeah. and so clear Thanks. and you're making the abstract concrete and that's yeah. a big part of like Montessori right. um and the hands-on learning like we're both you know yeah. like and a lot of geology can be hands-on mm-hmm. you know while I was in school we used play-doh and we used toy dinosaurs and we use silly putty to demonstrate different things mm-hmm. and I just think that that's something that should be incorporated more mm-hmm. um in a, a child's life you know Give them a, a shovel and a bucket and let them dig up some dirt, dig up some rocks. And mm-hmm. let's look at them under a, a hand lens and look at the crystal sizes and discuss why crystal sizes are larger or smaller in different rocks and mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. Yeah. You know, that that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's fun because you can hold it in your hand mm-hmm. and you can look at it. And if you want to throw it on the ground or smash it with the hammer as long as you're doing it safely <laughs> you can do that yeah oh my gosh I remember all of college you would get like geodes and you would like <laughs> you would have a little hammer and and I put them in a sock yeah and you would like it. smash geodes like it okay Evelyn here's the question dun dun <laughs> <laughs> dun 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 what's your cosmic task I would love to explore this more, but I really don't know what my cosmic task is. Word. I feel like I have many little cosmic tasks, mm-hmm. and they I don't know if they're true cosmic tasks or mm-hmm. not. So I wouldn't want to share that and put that out into the universe mm-hmm. if it's not really what I feel in my heart. And I love that you said you don't really know, or like you have many different things, and that's what I love so much about this podcast is it's not an expectation to know it's a dialogue and a conversation to explore what that may look like or what the journey is like or just describing the process like you said it's the 
process, not the product. So it's the journey, not the destination. Exactly that. And so right now I see your journey is in traveling and working on these research vessels and healing myself, healing yourself, having epic friendships, gaining the confidence, mm-hmm. all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we have exciting things coming up together. I well, first we're almost to our destination. We home. are, and home. then I'm going to Orlando next week whoop, whoop. for the infant toddler training. I'm going to be a helper, and then <laughs> <laughs> Evelyn's actually going to go pick up my boyfriend Thomas and pick up our friend Chandler and drive down to Orlando. So we can go to Universal for, and go to Hogwarts and go to Hogwarts for the day, and then you're gonna we're gonna take turns driving back up the coast, and then you, I'm getting my wisdom teeth pulled, and you're gonna be with me for a week working remotely. Yeah, we're gonna be together so much. We're going to be together so <laughs> much, and oh, can we talk about home organizing? What we just did, 25 oh. and a half hours sure. of it. Yeah. Okay, so my business. Five things. Five things? Most five things found in my apartment. Oh, gosh. Most five things. Okay. We'll, we'll hold on to that nugget. Okay. <laughs> so, a part of my business, Head, Heart, and Home Consulting, is home organizing. And my friend recently told me that she she said, I do environmental design. I was like, ooh, that sounds fancy. I like it. I do do environmental design. And I do home organizing. I like that. So, basically, Evelyn was like, Fori. That's my nickname. Please help me with my apartment. I'm gone so much. I come home. I unpack. I repack. I leave. Everything's uh, yucky. Yes. So, thankfully, two days before I had a flight out, we came up with a plan. And I was going to help organize her entire apartment and also birthday celebrations. And so we did it. Like we, I definitely left her apartment somewhat of a mess because there's there's a system in place, but she has to like carry out the system to finish it. But I have to complete it. Yes, you have to complete it because we just there was physically not possible to do everything. We worked so <laughs> hard, twenty five and a half hours in like three days, four days, three three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Three. So three days we did 25 and a half hours of home organizing. Okay, side note, top five things found in her apartment. Number one, alcohol swabs. Hundreds. Hundreds of them. <laughs> Number two, yarn. Oh my goodness, this girl had three tubs of yarn and donated a lot. <laughs> Number three, tiny rubber bands. Number four, I want to go hand sanitizer. I do have a lot of hand sanitizer. I'm going to say number five, beauty products. Thanks. A lot of beauty products. beautiful. So, top five things found. I want to hear now your perspective on the whole process. I know there were many times you were overwhelmed. I was very overwhelmed in a lot. It was a lot. A lot. That is something I would do in literally like three or four weeks span of time, but we only had three days. So something that that I struggle with actually is, so uh, both of my parents decide to give me um, first aid products for like my birthday and stuff. (laughs) So that's why I had so many alcohol swabs. But, 
but also too um they give me things from my childhood which mm-hmm. is very overwhelming in a two-bedroom apartment mm-hmm. um Especially because I'm going to be getting a roommate, hopefully soon. (laughs) And um, that is definitely overwhelming. Mm -hmm. But also... Sorry, go ahead. But also, too, something that I struggle with is I I volunteer a lot with Mm -hmm. a lot of different things. Or I'll go to a concert or I'll do some event and I receive maybe one or two t-shirts. And I... (laughs) have a lot of Mm t-shirts and uh working with those just kind of like everywhere some some of them I don't even wear sometimes I never wear but Mm -hmm. I struggle with getting rid of them because of the memory associated with them Mm -hmm. and um so I work on the psychological level (laughs) I'm organizing so um Fori definitely helped me like get rid of not only like shirts but also like other small little items that I had like an attachment with or like a note card or um, like a a magnet that I got from a festival or something mm-hmm. for free like it, it was yeah. it would be like a first bank mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> magnet or something mm-hmm. and um, I would always have a tough time getting rid of things like that because of the memory attached to it and the feel-good feeling. And the feel-good feeling. But also, too, um, my parents instilled in me, um, like, having, like being prepared, like, in case you need something. Mm-hmm. But I also find myself not being able to find that thing when I need it, mm-hmm. so I go and buy more. Which is, I think, one of the big things for got to see this weekend. Yes. Um, with all of the beauty products, because... I can't find my mascara. I'm just going to run by CVS or Walgreens and pick up another tube of it because Mm -hmm. I need it right now and I don't have time to look for it. Mm -hmm. And then next thing you know, I have seven tubes of mascara. Mm -hmm. So I think... And it's it's no shame, like absolutely zero shame. Like we all have... But it's also expensive. Oh, absolutely. I I, I really reflected on how much money I had spent on all of these things Mm -hmm. but also how much money I'm not going to be spending on all of these things because now Mm -hmm. they're in a special place and if I need them I know exactly where to go to find it Mm -hmm. Um, and what did we do when there was a special little item that like you really don't really want or need how did you decide what to do with it um I would if it was something that I really wanted to keep but I didn't really need I had a little box for memories but I would also take a moment if if it was something that I needed a part with I would thank it and then I would donate it or I would thank it for the memories and then thanks for the memories (laughs) Uh, I would thank it and then I would throw it away. Or <laughs> I love something. that you just sang that. <laughs> um, Marie Kondo, Conmar method. Think it, let it go. Calamari. <laughs> she kept calling it calamari. The calamari um, method. Calamari not, method. Not, not. It's the Conmar. Well, method. also like 
does it spark joy? We had to ask that question a lot. But and that everything was very sparked joy. Oh, yeah. But, like, does this serve you? Like, yeah. is this serving you? And one thing that was hilarious to me was <laughs> when we first started, I gave her a small cardboard box for memories. Just because, <laughs> like, that was the box available. And all I was finding was, like, photos and stuff. So then she, like... <laughs> told me she asked me she said are did you give me a small box on purpose because you knew I would want to keep everything and I was like no I actually just grabbed that random box like it was not intentional but we were cracking up over that um so the other thing I wanted to talk about was so yes everything has a home now there's a system also the home edit I use their kind of method too everything has a system we KonMari folded clothing everything has a home a space and as a Montessorian a huge part of this is preparing the environment so when an adult an individual is prepared they have space available to create they have the confidence and and the pride you know of their space and they just feel good and it also like just helps your brain like your brain is pattern seeking so if you know okay my my there's a system where my dark jeans go here my light jeans go there and they're folded upright so I can see them it may it gives you endorphins in your brain of like yes this makes sense and like every time I make this beautiful I'm proud of myself and I have order and your brain loves order so we talked about unhooking and unhooking was like getting rid of the old systems and detaching from yay we made it to South Carolina um so (laughs) detaching from the old systems and creating new systems and new neural neural neuron synapses (laughs) and so your brain is going to do something over and over and create a new pattern I think my observations of, like, where you were or where you are in your apartment and, like, how this happened and, like, what I observe as you as a person outside of your apartment is that you are a huge gift giver. Like, you literally will have a gift-giving section and you're, you have a hobbies closet where you're going to create um, blankets and hats and scarves and... Um, so many different art projects. And so I think the biggest takeaway from my observations is that you are a gift giver. And I also notice that sometimes you hold on to items that aren't serving you anymore. And so you really worked really hard letting them go, like thanking them and letting them go. And I said to you, this will open up space for you to create mm-hmm. and to receive awesome new things in your life mm-hmm. and that's like a big that. <laughs> that, that's definitely something for out. me to like just kind of focus on mm-hmm. like think about meditate on mm-hmm. that sounds wonderful thanks so much for having me Corey. thank you evelyn there's so much more we could talk about but i feel like we definitely covered a lot and i'm we can do another one uh yes we'll definitely do another one we had such an amazing weekend together and now we are back in our home state neighbor home state (laughs) and thanks for talking to us about 
your history and your your journey of finding your cosmic task. (laughs) Thanks. Looking forward to the future. Yes. Always. Exciting things to come. All right. Well, that was it. Next, I will be going to Orlando, and I'm hoping to have another podcast on the infant-toddler training in Orlando with Dr. Becky Bailey that I will be attending as a helper. So keep an eye out for that episode next.